millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This is an RNZ podcast. Kia ora and welcome to Elemental from RNZ, a podcast celebrating the periodic table's 150th birthday. I'm Alan Blackman from the Auckland University of Technology. And I'm Alison Balance. We are up to episode 83 and an element we first mentioned in passing way back in episode 25, which was about erbium. So just add a T at the beginning of that element and you have today's element. And we are talking, of course, about terbium, which was named after Itterby, which is spelt Y-T-T-E-R-B-Y, a chemically prolific small village in Sweden, after which no fewer than four elements, terbium, erbium, yttrium and ytterbium, were also named. Now, I'm getting the hang of this, so this must make it a lanthanoid, <laughs> and this usually means a torturous isolation procedure. Oh, Am I correct? yes, indeed. Correct on both counts. <laughs> oh, yes, I've learnt something. Well done. Well done. So, vital statistics. So, the elemental symbol TB and the atomic number 65. So, as you correctly state, that puts it pretty much slap bang in the middle-ish of the lanthanoids. Here we go. Torturous it is. The discovery date of 1843 for terbium. But, of course, uh, nothing was as simple as that. The actual discovery process kicked off all the way back in 1787, when a black mineral was found near that little Swedish village of Itterby. And so they originally called this mineral Itterbite, and then they renamed it to Gadolinite, after Johann Gadolin of Gadolinium fame. And then he, <laughs> Gadolin, called this mineral Itria, and in 1843, Carl Mosander, now we've met him before as well, he was of Didymium fame, oh, if we can gracious. recall that. <laughs> he managed to separate this yttria into three mineral components, each of which he proposed contained a new element. Now, due to a slight administrative muck-up, he called one of these <laughs> components erbia, and that was shown to contain terbium. And, yes, you guessed it, one of the other samples he called Terbia, and it contained erbium. So, quite simply, what they did was to change the names of the mineral components. <laughs> I don't know, dear listeners, if you're as confused as I am, then you're extremely <laughs> confused. But, anyway, that's one of the so-called rare earth elements. How rare? Yeah, this whole rare earth thing, it's a bit of a misnomer. None of the rare earths are really rare. Terbium's not a common element necessarily, but there's the same amount of it roughly in the earth's crust as both bromine and iodine. And um, there's twice as much terbium in the earth's crust as there is silver. So that sort of gives you some idea. Now, the problem with it is that even though it's not overly unabundant, for want of a worse word, it's quite widely dispersed usually and hard to find. 
That, in fact, makes a recent discovery off Minamitori Island in Japan really important. So this is an offshore deposit, and it's so big that uh, a report of its discovery published in Nature magazine last year reckoned that there's enough yttrium to meet the global demand for 780 years, enough dysprosium for 730 years, enough europium for 620 years, and enough terbium for 420 years. It is an offshore deposit, so mining is going to be challenging, so don't hold your breath. (laughs) So, on the chemical side, being a lanthanoid, it forms compounds with the metal in the 3-plus oxidation state, and we've talked about this before on earlier episodes. But there's been a very recent report, in fact earlier this year, of a terbium complex having terbium in a 4-plus oxidation state. And that's extremely unusual for a lanthanoid, as the only other real example of a 4-plus lanthanoid is cerium. So, Is that chemically very exciting? Yeah, it kind of is. It's kind of cool. It means that people are going to go and study the rest of the lanthanoids and see if they can do this with them as well. So yeah, yeah it's pretty cool. Sweet. <laughs> My usual self-interested question A, is it useful? In fact, so there's two questions. A, is it useful? And B, day-to-day, am I likely to come across it? Mm, Yeah, good questions. Um, There's not a huge number of uses for terbium and its complexes, if I'm going to be brutally honest. But one of the most interesting is a thing called terphenol D. And we mentioned this all the way back in the dysprosium episode. And uh, this material's got the approximate chemical formula TB.3, DY.7, FE2. Is that common to have decimal places? You can have decimal places in chemical formula, yes, yes. I don't Uh, know that. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, what does this bestow (laughs) upon this compound? Well, this particular compound is magnetostrictive. And what that means is that it changes shape in the presence of a magnetic field, which is really kind of cool when you think about it. And so this was put to, I hesitate to say good use, but certainly put to use back in the early 2000s, where they created nifty little devices that when you stuck them on a smooth surface would turn said surface, like a window or a bathtub or a bench top, etc., into an audio speaker of all things, and that was using this particular terphenol D material. And so these little devices were released in the early 2000s, but unfortunately they don't appear to have taken off. I think they sound really kind of cool. They sound um, great. You could, I know. I'm just going to turn my bench into a speaker. Yeah, yeah. Well, d- d- <laughs> Google it all. You'll, you'll, you'll find them floating around somewhere, I'm sure. But uh, most uses of terbium, I guess, are associated with its ability to phosphoresce green. So if you use the correct wavelength of energy to excite the atoms, terbium in the plus three state radiates a luminous green colour that is so intense it can be seen with the naked eye. So this bright colour makes terbium compounds particularly useful as colour phosphors in lighting applications. So in other words, in fluorescent lamps, uh, where it is a lovely yellow colour. And terbium salts that phosphoresce with uh, that intense green colour were used to provide the green in the old RGB colour TVs. And the R and the B were provided by europium compounds. That's that idea that you can make any colour from red or green or blue. Indeed, Mm. yes, yes. And remember we talked about europium and how they used the element europium as a security feature in the euro banknotes? I do remember that. Uh So along with europium, apparently 
terbium phosphors are also used as uh, security inks in the euro notes, and they apparently phosphorescent blue colour. Hmm. <laughs> curiouser and curiouser. Final interesting fact. Okay, so some terbium compounds display an unusual phenomenon known as triboluminescence. So light gets emitted when one of these crystalline solid terbium compounds is fractured. So a fracture in the crystalline lattice, for example, will result in the emission of bright green light. And by the way, you can see examples of triboluminescence online, made, uh, for example, by rubbing two quartz pebbles against each other in the dark. And no terbium obviously is involved uh, in this particular case, but it is kind of cool. So once upon a time, terbium was found in lots of homes, first in the tellies Mm -hmm. and then in the fluorescent lights Mm -hmm. and then in the wallets, at least if if it really is a security thing in the Euronote. Who knows where it'll turn up next? The random mysteries of chemistry, as revealed in the Elemental podcast. (laughs) We lurk in many places on the interwebby thing at rnz.co.nz forward slash chemistry and also on many podcast apps. Next time on Elemental, we're looking at thallium. But until then, I'm Alison Balance. And I'm Alan Blackman. Mā te wā. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.